Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean, the weekend edition. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Sunday and Saturday. Sounds like a weekend to me. Uh, uh, have you got your rats? Surely everybody's got them now, haven't they? Uh, Courtney Walsh is cock-a-hoop after uh, his team beating our team at the old uh, cricket. Um, Hayley Sproul is funny and talented. So uh, Francesca talked to her yesterday. And uh, Alice Boys has uh, uh, written a book on how to be productive but without stress. Before any of that, uh, Christopher Luxon uh, uh, has written a speech on how he thinks the country's going. And he did it. How much better off would your tax cuts make uh, people in the bottom tax bracket and in the top tax brackets? Yeah, well, look, I mean, what we're doing today is we're just saying, look, Kiwis are facing a cost of living crisis. The reality is inflation's been up 11.5% under the government. We've got inflation at a 30-year high. Uh, and basically, wages are growing about 2.6%. Inflation's at 6%, which means the average Kiwi family and average Kiwi unit is going backwards. And so all we're saying to the government is, hey, listen, um, in the spirit of proposing some ideas as you go to the budget in May 2022, why don't you actually adjust those tax brackets so they actually move people up? Because the perverse thing is if you're on the minimum wage at the moment and you work 44 hours, just say four extra hours a week, you're at 30% tax. If you're an average income earner here in New Zealand, you're at 33% marginal tax rate. So mm. you know, by adjusting just the rates and having them adjust for inflation, which is something that I'd want to see happen going forward, uh, it just means that the government's not collecting extra tax revenue and we leave the tax in the hands of the people who can actually spend it the best, which is in their own pockets. How much money are we talking, say, for someone who's uh, on the, the average wage? Yeah, so if you're on the average wage, it's about $870 a year. So the average wage in New Zealand is $72,000. If you're on sort of, you know, 40, about $57,000, it's about $800. Uh, if you're above seventy-eight thousand, uh, $79,000, it's just over $1,000. So, you know, it's not, not designed to get people rich. Yeah, it's hard to make everybody rich, isn't it? Um, because if everybody's rich and nobody's poor, how do you know if you're rich? Just throwing that out there. Uh, another little head scratcher is uh, how are you going getting hold of some rats? Is it proved uh, easy or difficult? Francesca was standing in for Jack on Saturday morning. The extra 30 to $45 a week to throw a pack of rats into the supermarket trolley. And don't even get me started on the challenges businesses are having to face, right, you know, to do the right thing and source their own supply. This week someone said, let's not let rats become the new toilet paper, and I couldn't agree more. I'm resigned to the fact that it's going to take probably the rest of this month to get our response working properly. It might also give the government time to come to their senses and do at least what Australia did and hand out 10 free home test kits over a three-month period for pensioners and those with community services cards. How about every household getting free rat tests like they did in the UK? The government has, of course, abdicated its responsibility for our health and handed it back to us as individuals, and I understand why, but this comes with an obligation to give us the tools we need to look after and manage ourselves. And for many, it needs to be free. Who thought we'd be looking to the UK for best practices on anything to do with COVID? But with the rats, they got it right. Keen to your, hear your thoughts, 9292. As I say, I think they serve such a great purpose where we're at with this Omicron outbreak, but it should not be so hard and it should not cost so much for us to get our hands on them and to get using them. Um, I went and picked up uh, some from the place where you pick them up. 
in Arua yesterday. Took about 10 minutes. And they were pretty organised. Admittedly, I had made an attempt uh, two days earlier and there was a queue of cars that stretched all the way down the road and around the corner and around another corner. So I flagged it and thought, I'll come back in a couple of days. I bet it's worked itself out by then. And I was right. So, yeah, like most of these things, uh, there's a big rush at the beginning and it's all chaos and then they sort of figure out how to do it properly. I think that's what's going on by my experience, anyway, my limited experience. Um, and I haven't actually had to pay for any yet. Um, now, uh, Courtney Walsh is uh, the coach of the West Indian uh, women's cricket team, and they beat our women's cricket team. Bugger. How happy, first of all, were you with victory in that opening game of the tournament against New Zealand on Friday? Uh, thanks for having me. I was very, very happy. Um, I mean, it's always good to get off to, to a good start, and I thought the girls held the nerve pretty well in that game, and it was just good to get over the line. Any nervous moments for you as the uh, New Zealand innings played out? They, uh, they, they nearly got there, Courtney. Yeah, they nearly got there. As I said, it was a very close, nerve-wracking encounter. Um, we had the game looking quite comfortable, and New Zealand got back in it and looked comfortable. And as we know, cricket is a glorious game of uncertainty, and you know, our girls held the nerves pretty well in the end, and now we came with victorious. Deandra Dotton hadn't bowled at all in the innings, but she took the final over, took two for two, and then effected the final run out. Was that was that always the plan that she would just bowl the last over? No, that wasn't the plan. To be quite honest, um, she had been bowling in the nets, but hadn't bowled at competitive um, since her shoulder injury. But she's a fierce competitor, and all the crunch time she was going to put her hand up with a bat and bowl in her feet, and she backs herself. And you know, she went against the green and decided that she wanted to do the job for the team. You could just listen to Courtney Walsh talk all day, couldn't you? It, it, some accents are just so much cooler than others. And that one's right up there. Um, um, you can't listen to them all day, of course, because this podcast is only about 10 to 12 minutes long, usually. Um, and uh, if I let you listen to them all day, there wouldn't be a chance to listen to Hayley Sproul. Uh, who, you know, if you listen to her for any length of time, there's usually a laugh in there somewhere. She's a bit of a giggle. What do you write down? If, when you come through customs, what do you write down as your occupation? Are you an entertainer, a broadcaster? Or yeah, I a... sometimes do entertainer, and I do think that they must go stripper. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, they're going to be thinking. Well, I'd be complimented. Same. That's yeah, a compliment. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I've got the body of a stripper. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it changes. Sometimes I'll just put like doctor. I mean, what are, what are they? They don't ever use the occupation for anything. They I'm don't check tr- it. I'm trying to think what you haven't done because you've written TV shows. There's the theatre and feature film. Yeah, I'm, r- I'm currently writing a oh, feature of course film you are. as well. Yeah. <laughs> of course I am. Of course you are. <laughs> I just didn't want to leave less. film, you know, neglected. No, not at all. You've pretty much got everything covered. Uh, so tell me, how in your hectic schedule have you t- found time for this theatre? Well, theatre is my, like, original love. I went to drama school, which is predominantly, like, theatre training, um, Toy Fikari. And uh, this show, it was an amazing opportunity because we actually made Live Life Cinema, Little Shop of Horrors, in 2015, and we toured the world with it. We went all around the UK, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, we had just the best time. 
And then, you know, as shows do, that their run kind of comes to an end and you move on to a different show. And then so when the, this pandemic started happening and all of us were losing all of our work and everyone didn't know what was going to happen, um, the producer had the idea to go, well, could we make this a lockdown version? And we were like, absolutely you could, because it's all about sync. It's all about syncing up with things. So you can film the thing and have it perfectly synced and then chuck it all into one thing, which is what this is. So it's there's a black and white film of Little Shop of Horrors playing. Then there's cameras on four actors who are doing the foley, voice, and the music, but it's all perfectly timed to the film. Oh, how clever. See, that's an, I thought that was an interesting response from Francesca there, oh, how clever, whereas what I was thinking was, what the hell are you talking about? What, what is, I don't, do you have any understanding of what this is? That they're doing sound effects of voices to a movie of the musical, ah, uh, I don't know what's happening. I don't understand what's happening. I'm stressing out. So maybe I need to read Alice Boy's book about how to be productive without stress. And then I might just make it to the end of this podcast. And that'll be one thing that I produce today anyway. Alice, tell me, how is this book different to other books on productivity? Yeah, so it's an individualized view of productivity and it draws from lots and lots of areas of psychology. So there have been some some great uh, books out in recent years, for example, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, right, which is a great book about, about the science of habits. But habits is just this, this tiny area within, of, within behavioral psychology, whereas there's huge other areas of, of psychology that are relevant to the topic of productivity related to thoughts and emotions and relationships and all sorts of other things. And so this book attempts to bring all of those in. And it also attempts to be like a kinder, gentler version of productivity that's still aimed at excellence. You immediately set the tone with a chapter called You Were the Solution, Not the Problem, which which kind of lowers one's defences if you're a little bit defensive about your productivity. Yeah, a lot of people have productivity shame. Like we have this idea that we of of we have this image of what a if you're a lawyer, you know, what a productive lawyer is, or if you're a freelancer, what a productive freelancer is. And if we've got any sort of vulnerability or any reason that we think that we can't meet that image, that tends to to drive productivity shame, and that's that's really unhelpful. So a lot of uh, a lot of books are often sort of makeover books. And this isn't a makeover book. It, it helps you work with your nature uh, rather than attempting to change you into some some vision of the ideal version of a productive person. Okay, okay, keep talking, keep talking. I'm interested because um, I certainly can't be bothered changing the type of person I am. And I'd, I'd be keen to know how, given that my whole goal in life is to do nothing except melt cheese on stuff and drink bourbon um, I'd like to know how that can be turned into a productive I guess at the end of it you end up with things with melted cheese on and empty bottles of bourbon so yeah, I'm not quite sure what her book has to say about that but maybe I should give it a look I'm Glenn ZB, the guy I have actually managed to produce one podcast today hooray um, I might go for two later on. I'll we'll try and do a, a, a re-wrap. I'll talk about what Mike Hosking has done on his show. Um, but I don't want to stress about it. If it starts causing me stress, I'll just leave it at this one, I think. I'm Glenn ZB. 
Uh, that has been News.ZB. See you back here again uh, tomorrow when I'll try and produce another one. Yeah.